A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. excited to introduce our next guest, Justina Blakeney, award-winning designer, artist, and New York Times bestselling author, and really a creative who has done an incredible job creating a booming business around her eclectic and colorful taste, which goes by the namesake Jungalo. And a little bit of background, Justina is actually first cousins with my brother-in-law, and they're just the best family, the Blakeneys and the Shaws. They're incredible. And I've never felt like we were family by marriage, but more by blood, just because you guys are so warm and welcoming. So welcome to our podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you. Welcome. We're so honored to have you. Um, the first question we always start off with is, what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success? And are they at all intertwined? Mm. Good. I should have thought about this. <laughs> What's my definition of fulfillment? I feel like I'm entering a new phase in my life where I'm actually really digging into that exact question. So I'm not going to have a pithy answer for you. I, I feel like what I'm searching for right now is that place where I feel like in my body that what I'm doing is right for myself and for the world and for like my place in the world. And I think that's like where that fulfillment experience is being tickled for me. Like for example, to get a little more granular, you know, I've been in this design game for a long time and I love design so much. And lately when I've been going to museums and like experiencing art in, in that setting, I'm like, I feel like the tingle in my body. Like this is my next thing. This is what I want to share next. And like, that is for me where I'm starting to get those feelings of like the fulfillment is when I'm bringing something into the world that I feel like moves people and connects people and moves me and connects me with people that I love and people that are expanders and that, you know, yeah, I don't know, just like inspire and take us somewhere meaningful. Yeah. So that's the fulfillment. And then the success was the next question, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Success is such a tricky one. I feel like I have achieved a lot of success. I feel like I have checked off a lot of boxes of like things <laughs> I've set out to do. And I published a book and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. And like I have a successful business and, you know, I have a house that I like and I drive a car that I like, you know. And, and, and it's funny, though, because as I get older and as those boxes start to get checked off, I like realize how unsatisfying it actually is. And it's not to, to shit on mm-hmm. like the past achievements that I've had. And it's also not to say they didn't feel really good. And that, like, I'm, I'm really proud of myself for everything that I've been able to do. But at the same time, I'm just realizing as I age, how much bigger and more there is that are not about like checking a box or not about appearances or not about like social media numbers or accolades by whatever, you know, it's just like, I was in that mode for a really long time of like that being, that's my goal. I'm going to go after it until (laughs) get it, you know, but then after getting a lot of those goals, I was like, okay, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And then it's just such an insatiable kind of energy around that what's next energy that that's when I really started to shift gears. And it was like, oh, it's not about like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Because that's just perpetual. That's like a treadmill vibe. Yeah, (laughs) hamster wheel. And again, it's like what society makes us or conditions us to believe. And I, I, we heard your podcast with Brene Brown. And one of the things that you mentioned is that you never really like fit in the box that society wanted you to be, right? You were always this creative. You always like to like, mishmash what is the word I'm looking for mishmash Mishmash, like all these different like things together and that was part of like who you were too and how you were raised so for me hearing that it kind of like makes sense that all these things aren't actually fulfilling because you never subscribe to this box in the first place yeah and and it's it's interesting because I think that the word fulfilling like there is something so like for me it's so visual right like I I almost like picture a cup being like filled up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm very present to the fact that like what actually fills my cup is not that stuff. Like it's, it's like precious moments with family and people that I love. Um, It's making music in community. You know, people are often surprised that, you know, I'm really into music. I love to sing. I play guitar. I play piano. Singing is like a big part of our family vibe. And, um, that feels very fulfilling to me, like in, in such a different way than Instagram, boop, boop, likes, like, you know, and so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's about really what fills my cup. And I also just noticed how like fleeting the, the success feelings are. It's like, you feel successful for like 20 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, well, what I have to do next to feel successful in the next thing, you know? And it's just like, just, it's constant and it's exhausting. So was there, like, you obviously have this incredible career. Did you have that feeling where you were like, okay, I'm going to set this goal. Oh, I reached it. Okay. What's next? Was that a hundred percent? I've definitely been like an overachiever kind of energy my whole life. Hmm. Like I straight A student, 
like a million extracurricular activities, student government, the plays, the musicals, the, you know, working with youth. Like, you know, I was like, I was that kid. You were always checking boxes. I was always checking boxes. And as a kid, do you feel like it was driven by like, I'm just really interested in all these things? Or was there a little bit of that like box checking? Oh, there was both. I think there was, I really love all this stuff. I'm passionate about it. But like, I also really like my gold stars. I'm like, yeah, yes, I want to be the best. It's not a bad thing, though, like ultimately, right? Because no. you you do accumulate success through that sort of motivation, not you, like ro- proverbial yeah. you. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, I don't regret that that has been my energy. It's it, I think part of it's just intrinsic. Part of it is the vibe, the family vibe that I grew up in. And yeah, I've just I, I think sometimes I'm like, oh, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm you know, I hold myself to very high expectations and don't always hold others to the same level of expectation that I hold myself to. But I think that now that I'm seeing how much of that is about external validation as opposed to an internal validation is when I'm starting to open my eyes to, oh, well, yeah, that's not actually fulfilling because it's about like people pleasing or about showing so-and-so that I could do this or, and and I think it's really coming with age for me that I'm just starting to be like, Oh, like I'm worthy and I have value. Even if I am not this great A student, or even if I'm not on the cover of this magazine, or even, you know, even if I don't make it to have my art in the Guggenheim or, you know, like I have value beyond those external validation gold stars. (laughs) So do you still catch yourself now? Now you're just much more self-aware of this whole thing. So you'll catch yourself and be like, wait, why am I doing that? Is this for external, internal? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. That's so interesting. Did you always know your place in the world? Like we just, you just sort of brought it up with fulfillment. Like were you, like I feel like with age it is easier, but I feel like you do have this very eclectic, like, you know, even you're saying like you sing, you dance, you do all these things. You're always creative. You had a creative, you consider your home a creative lab. Like that's incredible. Was that always in, innate to you? I think I am and always have been an artist. And I define that word and I use that word very broadly. And it's only sort of recently that I've even owned calling myself that. I think it's new on me the idea of being an artist, but I think ultimately that's what's underneath everything for me. That's what's at my core mm-hmm. is, is creative self-expression and um, synthesizing the world through my lens and then, you know, putting it out to share with others. And I think that's why I saw a lot of success with my blog very early on, because those two things, my passion for creativity and my passion for sharing comes together mm. and it fuels so much of, of what I do. And I, you know, you were saying earlier, like the mishmash and not like wanting to be in a box that also fuels what I do so much. I really strongly reject like needing to be identified as one particular thing. So yeah. even when I say artist, it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm artist, slash designer, slash other, slash this, slash that. you know, it's like, but ultimately the word artist feels so broad and all-encompassing that it sits on me real nice Yeah, because of that. 
Yeah, because you're not putting yourself in a box or yeah. giving yourself like a lot of room. Or it's like a big ass box. Yeah. <laughs> did you <laughs> really big one. Did you recognize that early on? Like, were you like, wow, everyone's trying to put me? Because I feel like I could, I'll speak for myself, but I do think Annabelle feels similarly. Like, I feel like I was very insecure about that. Like being like, where do I, you know, the sense of belonging, where do I belong? Like, who am I? Do I, am I safe to self-express as someone that, that is a lot of things? Mm -hmm. Like, did you always find value in that and you were proud of it? Or was it something that you struggled to express? I don't think I struggled to express it, but I did struggle with it. Okay. So, but I also thought it was cool. Like, I think it was like a nuanced kind of like two and both. I, you know, of course, when you say the words check a box for me, it's very literal because when I grew up being mixed race, I like didn't have an actual box to check it. Like every time I was actually supposed to check a box, like on college applications, say, for example, I would always sit there and stare at those boxes. Mm -hmm. And I just, no matter what I checked, it felt inauthentic. And so I think because I grew up in that framework in the 80s, in a time where, you know, it was just not that common to identify as being mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in Berkeley, where I grew up, it was maybe more common than in a lot of other places, but still it was pretty unique. And um I feel like that's really starting to change now. I see so many mixed families and, you know, and yeah, things are slowly starting to change. But yeah, when I was growing up, it was both isolating and confusing and a little bit like, yeah, where do I belong? Where do I fit? But it was also, I was receiving the messaging from my family, my parents, my community that like I could fit anywhere I wanted. And so I think it both, yeah, sometimes felt a little bit like paralyzing or confusing, but also ultimately I received the message that like, I get to be in any box I want to be in kind of. Do you think that travel really helped you with that? Cause I know you did a lot of travel yeah. um, and I know you like probably stick out sometimes even more in certain places around the world, but I think that travel also makes the world just seem so much bigger and you can be whoever you want to be and you can be more free and out of your bubble. So do you think that travel also helped you be like, I can be whoever I want to be. I don't have to fit in. Yeah. And, and I actually think that traveling sort of made me feel like I could fit in in different ways than I did necessarily in the U S. So, you know, for example, the first time I, I visited Morocco, I, I was really taken aback because being black and Jewish, I saw that particular unique mix of people. Like there are Jewish communities in in Morocco and, you know, and people kind of look like me. And that was some of my first experience being like, oh, actually I do belong in in, in kind of like a weird way because I'm like not Moroccan, but I felt culturally very at home. And I felt like people, you know, would come up to me and assumed I was Moroccan because I kind of look Moroccan and, you know, so there were there were moments like that where I was like all of a sudden finding myself feeling belonging in actually completely foreign places. And the same was true with a lot of the other travels I did. I spent many years living in Italy. And when I would travel to the South, people often thought I was Italian. Like, yeah. It was just like I almost could like blend in in different ways in a kind of a chameleon-esque kind of way 
that sort of made me feel like I can belong, you know, almost anywhere. Almost anywhere, yeah. I felt like a lot of places in Latin America that I could kind of blend in, you know, I speak Spanish and then in Europe and I would speak different languages traveling around. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't like totally blending in in places like Switzerland or (laughs) Indonesia, but, but, um, yeah, it, it just, it, it opened up my, my, my worldview in so many different ways. And it also just made me realize both how um, different everybody is, but also how also similar we all are, yeah. you know? And I think that we often just tend to like grapple onto these like tiny little differences, like shade of skin and hair texture and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's so like minute at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Um, but, or even cultural differences. Like we, we, we hold on to these like minute differences and then you know, we magnify them and, oh, we're all so different. But I think traveling actually gave me the feeling like, actually, we're, we're kind of all the same. Yeah. We're sort of, we're all, <laughs> yeah. know, we're all exactly the fucking same, actually. Which is the best feeling <laughs> yeah. to realize that and just be like, what am I doing? I'm focusing on the wrong things or like the people around me are focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. I think that, you know, we just struggle so much with identity and belonging and and all of that but yeah traveling really did give me the the feeling of like well as far as values I feel like we have so much of the same values throughout the world like we all love our children and our families and our parents and we all want like a peaceful life and a happy life and we all want to have like good food and you know it's just like at the end of the day like music joy what's at the heart of like what everybody wants is like kind of the same. Yeah. Well, you're the nature of your work is very much online and like it start, you know, your blog and then, you know, you have Pinterest and all of these different things. Like how do you, or how did you, if you're not necessarily on your screen all day now, how did you handle kind of like when you would get sucked into that, because that can really pull you away from your values, at least for me, right? Like you get so sucked into certain things like social media following and likes and, you know, reach and all of that. How do you kind of balance out and be like, okay, that's not really what's important. Like, let me come back to what's actually important. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I just feel like it's been the last like couple of years that I've really been doing that. I think before that I was really caught up in it. And I think what sort of saved me was my way of being caught up in it, which was creating, like being a creator. So, you know, making things, sharing my art, sharing the beauty in the world, like that was my angle on it. And so for me, it was a lot more about what I was putting out versus what I was consuming. And so it was a very creative and it still is. It's a, it's a very creative act for me. Mm-hmm. I will say in the last few years, I've just felt like the overall vibe on like Instagram and these kinds of things have changed a lot. And maybe it's me. Maybe I've changed a lot. Maybe we both have changed a lot. Like Instagram's changed and I've changed. Like it felt like a fun game in the beginning. To yeah. me. It felt like a fun thing where I was like, yeah, it felt like a game. And now it's sort of is feeling, if I'm being completely honest, like a little bit more of a slog. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you built a lot of your platform on your blog first and then on Pinterest. And I think Instagram has taken it in another direction where 
Instagram's much more about like real time, real time, like feedback, real time validation, real time dopamine. And it's kind of taken the like beauty of sharing into a external validation place or a place where you start consuming in other people's lives, start comparing and kind of like go down like a certain spiral of things. Yeah. I think, I think what has been really hard for me about the social media landscape as it exists right now is actually a control issue for me Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I practiced a lot. I had it down to a science, like the kinds of things that I knew would get my audience excited, things that my community would really, that would resonate and go viral and like, you know, after doing this for 10, 15 years, like I was really plugged in. So, you know, I could make something, you know, design a room or make a painting or write a long caption. And I knew I'm like, this is going to like be everywhere. You know what I mean? And I think, so what has happened is that now that's just not true anymore. Like I have no idea, you know, if what I put out is going to like, resonate with people because I just don't know who's seeing my stuff anymore. It's just like, it's, I've lost complete control over it, which in a way is a bit of a blessing because I'm less beholden to it. But at the same time, it was very destabilizing as it first started to happen. Also, because I depend on these platforms for my income and for my team and all of this. So, whereas before I knew if I made something that looked beautiful and that had a message that was resonant like I knew how well it would do I knew I could rely on it all of that and I just that's just not true anymore and so I've really had to like make a lot of pivots around how much I rely on the social media platforms for my income and also just let go a little bit of like caring about oh how many likes this is getting and how which is also hard when you're in a role where people are constantly asking you can you send me the numbers on this? Can you send me the clicks on this? Can you send me, can you send me, can you send me? And it's like, you know, a fraction of what it was like two or three years ago. And it's like kind of, it can be disheartening, honestly. And so that's been part of just me just trying to like not hold on so tightly. It's like loosen my grip a little bit and just be like, you know what? I'm just putting out beautiful stuff if it touches one person, if it like makes a difference in somebody's day and brightens one person's day, then great, you know, but just like kind of getting out of that need for, oh, this was going to go viral, but now it only got 800 likes and, you know, and just like being kind of stuck in that forever mode of like that external validation piece or quantifying how good something is by how many likes it gets and all of that. So in a way, it sort of like kind of brought you back to what your blog probably was, which was just something for you to like like and share and express your creativity. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I think it's starting to get back to that where I have gotten to a place now, at least with my own like personal Instagram, where I'm just posting shit that I like and I'm like not tripping off of it. Really, Yeah. You know, but I'm just being honest, like it took a few years of me being like really frustrated. Yeah. Kind of scared, like trying to figure it out. And, 
you know, especially just because so much of our business is built on a foundation of, of having, you know, large social media following that it's just been a big transition to, to all of a sudden have that not be dependable in the same way that it used to be. Yeah. The algorithms are a big mystery now. Big mystery. And, and it's like, it's all, um, it used to feel very free. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, if you like, you know, this to have reach, you have to use trending music and you have to do a reel and you have to do this and you have to do that. And all of a sudden I'm kind of like, well, I don't really want to post a reel. And I don't like these trending yeah. music songs. <laughs> am I going to play that game still and like just play for likes? Or am I going to just share what's actually in my heart and what is actually inspiring me in the moment, even though like it's not going to be seen by nearly as many people, right? So it's just like that trade-off. And, you know, I'm 44, so I I feel a little bit silly even talking about this at at, at this stage in my life. Like, I'm like, I'm still like worried about likes. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, it's real. Like our business, you know, the traffic that we get to our online shop primarily comes from Instagram. And so if that shit's not popping, like we see it in our PL. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so it's it's like on one hand, I'm like, this is a stupid game and I don't want to play it. On the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but I like my house and I like my car and I've got payments and I gotta make this shit work. You know? Yeah, it's hard for creators because it also takes the fun out of why they initially landed on the platform in the first place. At first they were trying to share and creative expression and all that. And now because they are monetizing it and because Instagram has changed all their algorithms. It's like, well, now this is my livelihood and I have no control over it. So now you have to like control it even more a little bit if it's like pure revenue depending on it. Yeah, it's been challenging. And and at the same time, I do think like you were saying, Jasmine, it's like it's kind of good because I could see a, a trajectory of myself if if Instagram like, was different than it is now, like still being super sucked into it. But because of the way that it is, I'm like kind of on a different trip now. Right. It's also a blessing. Like I don't need to spend my whole life on Instagram. It's It's been an incredible tool for me, for my business. And I'm grateful and Pinterest and all the other platforms as well. And I, you know, I built my business using these tools and I'm grateful, but like I'm on a different trip now. Yeah. It's like forced you out of that. Right. Well, it's such a weird thing because like everyone has a relationship with social media, even not having social media is a relationship with social media. And it's become, you know, you met my boyfriend at Passover and he just launched his business and he is such a product guy. He's not obsessed with social media by any means, but like how many hours he has to spend on TikTok and ads and all these different things. It's so interesting because it's even forced people who didn't build their business on it to be like, you have to be on this. Otherwise you're not going to. You're not going to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah. It's an essential tool now for businesses. And um, yeah. And there's other angles on it too. Like, you know, my, my child's 11 years old or going to be 11 this summer. And so we're just starting to get to that place where we're like, Oh, I'm going to get them a phone. Like what's the deal? So there's a lot of, yeah, right. rhetoric right now around social and and because I use it so much for work, you know, there's like this thing of like, oh, you're on it all the time, and, you know, and it's just like, oh, we're gonna have to have a big <laughs> moment around this, yeah. all this stuff, right? Because yeah, that's just where we're at right now in our society. 
you think you create more than you consume? And not just on social media, but in general? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I've made a very concerted effort, probably starting at the beginning of COVID, to reduce my consumption of social um, because I just did find myself like mindlessly scrolling, um, you know, before bed and stuff like that. And I just quickly like realized, especially being stuck at home and all of that, like that, that would be easy to just be in the rabbit hole of that. And so I just started getting really intentional about like putting time limits on my phone, not sleeping next to my phone. Like, and it took, um, a transition time of like, I would say like detoxing, mm-hmm from it, but I've reduced my social media consumption dramatically, dramatically. Because I feel like it can also get in the way of your creativity, like not just Mm -hmm. the amount of time you're creating, but like I've talked about this on our podcast a few times and I wanted to ask you about this, but like it's really hard to not become a copycat Mm -hmm. because it's like subliminal messaging. If you're just constantly consuming, you're just taking in what everyone else is doing, saying creating that it's really I feel like it becomes more difficult at least in my experience to like be unique and be myself and have, be in touch with myself mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a good point I think that you know we are what we consume in in so many ways and so for me I definitely find I get into a creative flow when I am not in front of my screen. So I'm very intentional now about going to books, going to nature, going to museums, like just being out in the world. And I'm pretty hard on myself about it too. Like if I do find myself, like if I go on Instagram or something to like post, I will give myself like a 10 minute time limit to like check in with a few people who I find inspiring or who I want to support or whatever to like engage. And then that's it. Like, that's it. I'm done. You have to get kind of thug about it (laughs) as as a creative. And I will also say that there's a lot on social that I do think is very inspiring and that sometimes does inspire my creativity. So I love the fact that I can like see what designers in Tokyo and like South Africa and Australia are doing. And I think inevitably their colors or their ideas or their materials seep into my consciousness. But I think that's also part of being an artist is that then you synthesize those ideas and bring them out in your own flavor and in your own way. And that's just part of what being a creative is about. I think that what I think is really toxic is kind of on a different, slightly different page. Like, so I live in LA, I'm 44 years old. I've never had Botox or anything done to like my face. Mm -hmm. And when I'm on Instagram, I notice myself very quickly going into, oh shit, do I need and that's the shit that I'm trying to not get sucked into. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the part of social for me right now in my life that feels very toxic. It's like, you got me feeling less than when I wasn't thinking about a, an eye cream. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And, and, and that's the part that I really like. I, just, I don't need that in my life. Yeah. So it's energy. shifted from like from the business side to now the personal side that it's become toxic. Yeah. I think, I think I can't really separate 
the two, unfortunately, (laughs) you know, I am my business in so many different ways. Like my business is my life. I think the idea of work-life balance is a myth, especially when you're an entrepreneur, like it's just all the things. Right. And so, yeah, for me, like I'm the type of person who I wake up in the morning and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, well, I'm not perfect, but I like who I see reflecting back at me. And I can just feel myself starting to question those types of things when I'm getting sucked into social media. And if that's happening to me, I'm like, and I'm someone who I consider to be fairly confident. I, you know, all of that. This is so toxic because I'm one of the more like confident, strong women I know. And so I'm just like, that messaging is so powerful and it's omnipresent. Yeah. And then it makes you question how, like, the relationship social will have with your daughter. Exactly. Right. And that's why it's going to be a big thing when you do talk to her about it, because it's scary to grow up with a generation that is consistently on social media. I see it everywhere. And just like people feeling less than and people feeling like, you know, we're saying like that belonging thing. Like I've always felt like what makes me unique is like my superpower. And what I'm seeing on social is the sameness being so pervasive. Like you need to look the same. You need to have these lips to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. You need to have these eyes to be beautiful. You can't have this type of skin. You you know, there's also the flip side. There's also the more like, oh, like plus size. You know, there's, there's everything. Right. But it's just like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's like too much, ultimately. It is. <laughs> you know, well, it's like a little too much. It is really homogenous. And it's very <laughs> like what's in vogue right now, like what's in trend. And it's just, it is crazy. I don't like social media, but I know that like for our podcast, for example, I'm like, I have to post it and it can be a tool for good, but it is so, I get very like sucked in very easily. And yeah, and I think, but I think as you said, like it can be really inspiring. Like sometimes my, alg- I actually have a Finsta, which is honestly my real Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I just follow inspiring things because I was a big Pinterest user. Like I love things that I would have never seen before, you know, so it is so algorithm dependent. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. We're not really in control of our algorithms. Like, oh, no, we're definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I joke about it with my husband all the time because he's like, well, I won't say that, but I want to drag it on the light. <laughs> all right, all, all of our algorithms. Okay, you got to tell us. What is his algorithm? <laughs> What's on his Discover page? It's like if you linger on shit for too long, all of a sudden they start serving you that thing up, right? So for me, maybe it's like fucking Botox or whatever because I'm like lingering like – 
Isn't that scary? You know, and then it's like all of a sudden they're double downing on the Botox stuff. Yeah. Algorithm. So it's just like. And they're listening to anything you're talking about, which we all know. It's a little intense and, and, you know, it's like enough. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it is nice though, because I've been having this allergic reaction for the last two days and I was talking a lot about inflammation and now all my ads are like anti-inflammatory this and anti-inflammatory that. And I'm like, all right, thank you. Yeah. I didn't have to do research. It's, it's, That's how I found my wedding dress, honestly, from an Instagram <laughs> ad because I was looking for, you know, it's that honestly, yellow dress yeah. I wore just like that. That was from an Instagram yeah. ad. So it's like sometimes, yes, it can be helpful. But a lot of the time, like from a consumption standpoint, and also when you're not in a good place yourself, sometimes I find myself using it as a distraction from something that is happening in my life that is challenging or going through a challenging moment. Yeah. And I'm going to Instagram from a place of already like not as stable as I want to be. So I'm much I'm more, much more likely to get bogged down mm-hmm. and to like, you know. Yeah, I think for me, the punchline is just like, I want to be in control of how much and when I'm using it. And it's just like when I feel myself like in this like rabbit hole and I'm like, you know, it's like, no, I just want to like be mindful. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really, I think, yes, it can be helpful. It can be inspiring. It can be all those things. It can also be toxic. It can be all of those negative things as well. And it's just about being mindful around how much we're using it, how much we're getting sucked into it. Yeah. How much we're having meaningful, helpful, beautiful conversations with people and how much you're getting sucked into you know, a negative spiral of stupid shit. And I'm sure having your, your daughter also helps kind of transition you out of that. Right. Cause you can spend quality time with her. Absolutely. And, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to be more mindful around it period. Um, and yeah, that's, it's just, it's, it's a process. So, okay. From the outside, I can make a lot of assumptions about your career because it's just like you're doing so well and it's incredible and it feels like you've really, you found your thing and you were able to express that and was well received. Have there been moments where you're like, fuck this shit or you're feeling uninspired or you're confused? I mean, we kind of talked about the social stuff recently, but like moments where you were like, I have to make a change or this isn't fun anymore, even previous to Jungalo and previous to kind of your blog taking off and all of that. Absolutely. I think like there's just <laughs> every day is different. Yeah. You know? um, I think I've been really blessed to be able to build a career around my creativity and about what right. I love to do. And I do not take it for granted. I will say for me, my biggest challenge has always been like the logistics and operations around mm. running a business being a creative at heart, I'm also like very used to being kind of a Jill of all trades. Mm -hmm. And as I needed to start building out my team, yeah, I just had no idea how to do that. Like Mm -hmm. I had no, I'd never run a business before really. Like I never had a team. I didn't know anything about like operations and finance and like all that stuff. I was just like figuring it out as, as I've gone along and one thing that I very quickly learned is that I do not like managing people mm-hmm. and it is um, not one of my strengths. I am really bad at it. I love collaborating and working with people, but I like doing so in a very like non-hierarchical way. I want to just like everyone to contribute what they can and like all hands on deck, like that kind of energy. But when you run a business, 
there is just so much that sort of like, there is a reason why there's cor- corporate culture. And that's so not who I am. Like I'm a hippie, I'm an artist. I'm, but like the deeper I get into it, the more I'm like, Oh, that's why they have to have these hierarchical systems. And that's why you have to have like consequences. If this doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to, and you, you know, you have to have a write up and you have to have a yeah. punch card. And like, that's never been my kind of energy, but you know, 15 years in now, I understand why that's the vibe. And so mediating my own personal, I guess, skill set and talents and what I enjoy doing and what I love doing with trying to figure out how to actually build and grow a business with a team has been really challenging and continues to be challenging. And, you know, some days I'm like, this isn't for me. Like, I don't, I don't like this, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like when I was just like, you know, with a very, very tiny team or just like by myself, it's all on me. And I know that, and that is hard for certain reasons too. But, you know, like you were talking about control earlier, like, I feel like at least I'm in control, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the business side has always been more challenging for me. Not every aspect of business, because I think I'm very savvy about marketing and I'm very savvy about branding. And, and so there are like certain angles on the business side of things that I really enjoy and that I think I'm quite good at, but you know, the the other like more corporate operation, like all that stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, shipping girl, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I, I think, I mean, that's totally valid. I think what you said before about being an artist, like a lot of that business stuff is does not fit into your large box that of an artist, right? Like the logistics and the I shipment. I don't like it. Yeah, but I also think like when you go to start a business, at least this is what I thought. I thought that I would be in my strengths all the time and I would be building something from my passions. But I don't think we often realize how much other stuff goes into a business that we don't like, we're not good at. And it also takes us away from being in our magic. So for you, like creating, branding, marketing, all the stuff that you do like, you do have to focus on a lot of the other stuff, especially in the early days when you don't have a team and help and whatnot. And it becomes hard. And like managing a team, like all of those things are like additional energy, additional time taking you away also from what you're really good at. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. And I think also like, you know, as my brand started to grow, there was just like so many unique challenges that I just never imagined. And it's been very difficult to find a stride. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like every day there's something new and crazy that we have to like troubleshoot and figure out. And so I think for me, that's the part that I'm a little like ready to move on from where it's just like, I kind of want to be in a stride But I think especially with the pandemic and with the sector that we're in, in in home decor, we just saw such an incredible boom of business during the pandemic. Everyone was stuck at home. Everyone was buying home decor. It was like (laughs) wild. Like we really had to beef up our team and really change our entire operation. And then like last year, everyone just like kind of stopped buying it. It's so interesting. And so it's just like, it's a lot of like stop and start and stop and start and troubleshoot and build up the team and shrink the team. And, you know, and it's just like, it feels very chaotic, like, you know, and, and 
I think that for me with my personality, like I can live in the chaos for only so long before I'm like, oh my God, like it just sucks. It out yeah. Of it's just, it's a little bit tiring. And, and when I sit down to design the collections, you know, when I, you know, we have a line at Target, so I'm designing the Opal House Design with Jungle Oak collections. And when I sit down to like design a beautiful blue vase and, you know, design these fun cushions that you can throw on your bed and change the vibe of your whole room with or wallpaper or whatever the different stuff I'm working on is. It's like, that's when I'm in my flow and I'm like just so inspired and it's so fun. And then, you know, but also then I get a call about, oh, you know, we just shipped a roll of wallpaper out and it cost us $180 to ship it from Pennsylvania to Texas and so, you know like that kind of stuff but I'm just like I don't want to deal with how much it costs us to ship a roll of wallpaper from Pennsylvania right. <laughs> you know it's like I just want to be in my flow yeah but you know um yeah yeah that's that's it it's like and you know I'm, I'm trying also to figure out like how can I stand in my power more and just really do what I love and kind of be able to fill the gaps with other folks who can kind of help with all the other stuff, but it's just a lot easier said than done. Were you ever scared or insecure to like put your work out there? It's pretty vulnerable. It is vulnerable. I think I just have never been too afraid to put myself out there. I think maybe it comes from having done a lot of like theater when I was a oh, kid interesting. and, and just um, that feeling of being on stage for me is thrilling. Yeah. Like ever since I was a little girl, I, my earliest memory of being on stage was at like a Hanukkah concert that my school was putting on and we were singing, I have a little dreidel. And <laughs> it was like in what felt like a large auditorium. It was probably at like a Jewish community center, really small, <laughs> but like, and I remember so clearly because I was singing and spinning. Oh my God, I know that's my thing. And I had tears streaming out of my eyes. And I remember thinking as I was singing, why am I crying? Why am I crying? And it was just like being overcome with emotion of like being on stage and having people like see me and cheer and for me to be able to bring joy in that way. And I mean, I was probably four or five years old. It was like a very early memory, but I just always loved that feeling. And, and, and of, of having those emotions come to the surface and like just being moved, you know, and mm-hmm. I just remember being confused by like, oh, why am I crying? <laughs> like I didn't know right. what was happening when I was a little girl. Uh, but I think that then because I loved being on stage so much and because I loved singing and acting and being a part of a, a, a group of people together, you know, creating something in that way, I've just always sort of been like, well, you know this might not be the best show, but I'm going to try it and see, you know, see how it is. So that part of it never really scared me yeah. so much. I kind of just feel like, well, what's the worst that can happen? It's a great know? attitude. And how do you instill creativity in your daughter? And how do you instill this, like, no need to be scared type of mindset? I think children already have it all there. Mm-hmm. And it's less about instilling and more about just, like, supporting what exists. I think that people, I think institutions and society kind of beats creativity out of people. Right. I think everyone's born with it. 
And so for me, it's a lot about not doing anything. It's about practice. Practice is like the secret key and sauce to everything. If you're scared to show up and put yourself out there as a creative, like, well, the way to get over that is to practice putting yourself out there as a creative. If you don't feel like you're a good artist, the way to tackle that is to go to life drawing classes and get books and start putting pen to paper and like start drawing and you just have to practice it. And so whatever your angle and creativity is, how to get past the fear or the vulnerability of it is just to fucking do it. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the whole thing. And the more you do it, the more you get better at it. Some people are faster at getting better at things than other people, you know, but everybody who practices stuff gets better at it. Yeah. And do you feel like your parents and your family fostered that for you, like kind of let you lead the way with your creativity? Absolutely. I think my parents definitely encouraged my creativity and tried to support me in things that I found exciting or fun or interesting. My parents are also both developmental psychologists. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we got a lot of emotional support from them to be in touch with how we're feeling and what we wanted to do. And yeah, I I see a lot of, of people with their kids, I don't know, like critiquing, like critiquing art and like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just like, no, don't, don't. <laughs> I don't tell anybody what to do, but like, you know, just let it's like the let their true explore. essence shine, you know, let them yeah. explore. And like, you don't have to say, well, like, Oh, well, can you do a circle like more round or can you, you know, it's just, I think just like letting them just do their thing, you know, letting, them, yeah. letting them Cause sometimes them. I feel like institutions and society, as you said, like promotes this notion of like keeping them so busy and stimulated, right? Like all these activities constantly. And a lot of the creativity comes from like them sitting on the floor with a pen and paper and just drawing or just kind of playing on their own and their imagination starts to flow. Absolutely. And I think just even providing the tools. So like you said, I mean, just having the materials around and available, lots of different kinds of materials, if, if you're able to provide that, you know, for your, I think that's really important. And it's not even, you know, like you have to say or do anything or give specific instructions. It's just like, here are the crayons, here's the paper, here's the glue, here's the scissors, here's, it's like, it's like about playing. And, you know, honestly, anything is material. And that's really one of my ethoses. Is that a word? Ethoses? Ethos. That's my ethos. I have no idea. It's like about um, anything can be material. Right. We let we let Ida draw on her walls. We let her. You know, it's like this is your room, girl. You. That's amazing. You do you. You do you. You know, and and when I see, I you know, again, I don't want to be judgmental about how other parents raise their children. There's different vibes. Everyone, you you do you. I'm gonna do me. But for me, what really works is just letting her be herself and trying to support her in that task. And for yourself, are you kind to yourself? Like, do you have a harsh inner critic? I think I'm pretty kind to myself, honestly. I think um, I said earlier, I set very high expectations for myself. So in a way, I'm like strict with myself. But I do feel like I have a lot of self-love. And I think one of the things I'm working on 
right now is centered around self-compassion. Mm-hmm. I have the book in my bag right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to get that from yeah. you. Yeah. So self-compassion and self-respect, because I think, you know, those are all sort of angles on self-love, but like, for example, when I find myself running ragged because I'm doing lots of things for other people, I'm like, I'm not actually respecting myself and my needs right now. And like, I need to step back and like channel mm-hmm. that idea of self-respect and self-compassion to be able to not run myself right, you know, because I have that tendency because I have that overachiever, like trying to help everyone doing everything. Like there was a moment where I let myself stop responding to every DM I got because for a long time I was responding to every single DM because I'm like, you know, they they want to connect with me. They have questions. I want to answer them. Like, and I have to have boundaries around that stuff. And that must be very freeing too. It's, it is free. It's also still hard. Yeah. It's, it's also still a practice for me to be like self-compassion, Justina, you don't have to respond to every single thing. There's a lot of people in this world. You can't help every single one, you know, and like having grace for yourself, Yeah, having grace for myself. So it's, it's been something that I've been really working on and meditation has been a really key aspect of helping me with that. What kind of meditation do you do? So I, don't really know how to answer this because <laughs> I feel like my meditation ritual changes a lot. But um, I have I, I meditate twenty minutes a day, okay, and it's usually in the mornings. And I basically have I do one of three different things. I count to twenty five and then go back to one. Okay. Yeah. So, so count to twenty five mm-hmm. breaths or just yeah, like in my head, like just. Focus on the numbers, count to 25, and then go back to one. And if I've gotten to, like, 50, then I know that I've (laughs) trailed off somewhere and then go back to, you know, one. It's actually way harder. Yeah, no, and I think it's actually accessible, (laughs) though. Like, you can do that. I can do that when we end this recording. Yeah, Yeah, anytime. It's it's definitely um, an easy entree. And so that's one. The other one I do is listening. So I'll just listen. So I, I live in a mountainous area with lots of wildlife. And so when I meditate in the mornings, I go outside and I have my pillow yes. and I've got my stuff and I burn my incense and I just like listen to the birds. It's like so many birds. And so it's just like, yeah, listening and just focusing on the listening. And then again, if my mind starts trailing, it's like, nope, go back to the birds, you know, come on, Christina, get back there. So that's the second way. And then the, the last way is that I'll do body scans. So the body scans is like, you know, feeling what I feel in my toes and feeling what I feel in my heels and like feeling the blood and feeling the pulsing or feeling the itching or whatever I'm feeling. And then I do that from my toes to the tip of my head. And then I do uh, five minutes of gratitude after that. Written or just new it depends. Sometimes I do. I have a song that actually my, that my mother has been singing to us ever since we were so little, nice. little children. And so I'll do the song. And it what goes, is the song? Goes, Can we hear it? Yes. It goes, living spirit of the universe, I am grateful for my, and then you fill in the blank. So, and then there's a Hebrew part to it as well. So it's like, Living spirit of the universe, I am grateful for podcasts. Moda mi li fagmecha, 
This child I'm about to have. Living spirit of the universe, I am grateful for. Justina singing the song recorded for us. <laughs> you have an amazing voice. Amazing voice. <laughs> it's thank very you soothing. So much. Yeah. Thank I, you. I actually was like, I want this recorded so I can listen to it. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. That, that was amazing. That is amazing. That, I was actually going to ask you. Is, do you think faith and Judaism has a large part of your being grounded? And, you know, how much does that play a role in your creativity, your life, and your energy? So I was very, I guess you could say religious growing mm-hmm. up. And, like, I was really plugged into prayer. And and I, I lost it a little bit along the way. Like I, as a teenager, as a young adult, I sort of was a little, not, not super into it. I feel like in the last few years, I've been getting way back into less like religion, but more just my own brand of spirituality. So I feel like I kind of cherry pick a lot of different spiritual rituals or things that are meaningful to me. A lot of it is grounded in Judaism because that's the faith that I was raised in. And, um, you know, a lot of the like music and celebrations and rituals are very dear to me and I know them very well. So yeah, that's definitely a big part of my life. And I specifically find with gratitude, it's so easy for us, I think for me to like get caught up in, yeah, like we, you know, talked for 20 minutes about how annoying Instagram is or what, you know, mm-hmm. it's like so easy to get caught up in these little ticky tacky bullshit things throughout the day that we deal with. But at the end of the day, we have so much to be grateful for. And so even just spending five minutes a day, just channeling the gratitude and thanking the living spirit and being in that, I think is just, has been a really important and vital part of not just my creativity, but just like my life. That's beautiful. It is. Yeah, so on that note, the last question we ask on every podcast is, what's the point? I think the point is connection. I think the point is connection. Yeah, I think that's it. It's just that togetherness, that connection, that spark that we have with each other. Thank you. Thank Thank you for connecting and sharing with us. Thank you, especially for that song. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 